0: It's August 9th, 2017, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm
1: Ryan Ozawa. First up, we're going to talk to Lily Bowie from MIT about her work in disaster response and sensor technology. And of course, uh, we'll talk with Roel. Ruiz, Shane
0: Matsuda, and Chelsea Harder about their department challenges for the Hawaii Annual
1: Code Challenge. So let's not waste any time. First up, we do want to welcome Lily Bui, PhD student at MIT and researcher at the NDPDC to the show. Welcome, Lily.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about the work that I did for my master's. So I'm a PhD ah, student see. now. Okay, but, okay. you know, when I was a young master student, <laughs> a lot back of back. my research, yeah, was <laughs> ages like, ago. Like last year? <laughs> yeah, like yesterday. No, uh, I did a lot of research that had to do with environmental sensing. And uh, not just Ooh. that and not just the technology, but how environmental sensing ties into civic engagement mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how those two things go together. That's
0: definitely a topic that's uh, very interesting interesting to us because you know we are both kind of open data geeks and we have seen sort of this onslaught of of data and we're seeing more potential for environmental sensors to contribute to a lot of that uh, that, data resource.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I think a lot of um, what people think about when they hear the word sensor is the technology. It's some piece of hardware that's measuring something. But there is also something to looking at humans as sensors. So people themselves are Mm -hmm. very observant and they talk to each other. And you have not just networks of technology and tools, but you have networks of people sharing knowledge with each other. Mm -hmm. And this is what the project that I want to talk to you about today really focuses on. Can I tell you about it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's called I C Change, and it's I-S-E-E change.org. That's the website. And the tool is a public media and citizen science platform for environmental monitoring. So there's a lot in there, right? So there's the public media part, and where that comes from is that it originated from public radio. Um, and so the seed money came from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, cool. and it funded the first version of the platform to be built. And it was piloted in Peonia, Colorado, with a rural community of farmers who kept track of environmental changes literally huh. in their own backyards for a year. And the whole idea was to create a farmer's almanac and this baseline of environmental observation of when your tomatoes were coming in, when you were getting rain, how much rain, when it was dry. And all of this got aggregated online into an archive that people could look back on and understand how their environment was changing over time. Mm-hmm. Well, and Lily, second, so,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm very interested in this right? kind of a project. I'm involved with a startup that is also doing environmental sensing, logging, record keeping for, for farmers and growers. So Amazing. it seems right up that alley.
2: It's, uh, it's growing. It's growing. <laughs> so how is this,
1: um, now that you had that pilot in that area, right. that rural area, what is the expansion of this project?
2: The expansion is happening right now, or it's already begun to happen. And so the second phase, which is where I got involved, has to do more with the city citizen science part. Hmm. So we already talked about the public media anchor. And the citizen science part really came into play when NASA approached IC change and said, hey, we have all this data about carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. But right now, it's in these complicated charts and graphs. What can we do with it to make it more public? And how can we partner with more organizations to do this and educate more people about climate change, about the environment, about the role that carbon dioxide plays in this cycle? And uh, so I see change um, and the project uh, team, and the project lead and executive. Uh producer and you know the, um, the person whose brainchild this is, Julia Kumari Drapkin, was like, we got to make this happen. We got to redesign the platform. Mm. And so our team got together in New Orleans and hashed out a bunch of ideas um, and came up with different ways to visualize the carbon dioxide data. And so if you go to icchange.org and look at the different sightings, um, you can see photographs that people have submitted from all over the world, not just in the United States, but different countries too. And their uh, their location is grabbed, and NASA's data will be pulled for the nearest location to them, and you'll get the carbon dioxide reading. So you can explore you know other people's posts, their photographs, what they're seeing, but also contextualize that with data and learn a little bit more about the science behind it What's as the well. coverage
1: of this NASA data for Hawaii, for example?
2: The coverage, you said? Yes. Yeah, it's, um well, so it's on a loop, and I forget the interval at which the satellite will orbit around the same spot, but it kind of goes around the Earth, and it kind of rotates. Um, but every 16 days or so, it will come around to the same spot. Um, And so what you will actually be able to see on the platform is parts per million. So it's the overall volume of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere nearest to you. Um, And so you'll observe most of the time that that number is getting higher and higher. So I remember a couple years ago when we started testing this, it was around 398 parts per million. And then slowly it crept up 399. And then the moment that it crossed over, you know, 400 ppm, it was a big deal. And those readings come from Mauna Kea, hmm. right? And so that is a very connected—it's um, very connected to Hawaii in that way. So it wasn't always—it wasn't designed to be, but that's just where the science is coming from. Um, and so I think, you know, if anyone out there listening is curious about trying it out, like, just think about how that data is being collected So right, I'm on looking the at the
1: website now. It says the nearest to me is Raleigh. Oh, <laughs> or, no. Or Washington. So— uh, I would imagine that it would be helpful if people in Hawaii would sign up with the app and start contributing these observations.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so is is uh, the data primarily coming from the satellite, right? So, uh, how would citizens kind of participate? They would need to go in and sort of look at visualizing that data or analyzing that data? I mean, how would would people in Hawaii participate?
2: Right. So the the way that you would participate is signing up for the the site. You can also download the app on the Apple Store or Android. There's a version for each operating system. And it's a similar kind of interface on both things. You can take photos and then submit them and then write whatever you want uh, to contextualize it. You can actually, like... Just say, this is what I did today, and this is what I saw. And usually it's just uh, really fascinating, the stories that people contribute. Right now there's a lot of flooding in New Orleans, and you'll see not just mm-hmm, the fact mm-hmm. that there's water in the street, but the fact that there's traffic and this is impeding on people's lives. Mm. Like, you know, if changes like this were to become exacerbated, this is the kind of impact it would have on infrastructure, and so daily lives. So I'm
0: curious, how does your PhD kind of roll into what comes out of IC change? I mean, what's the connection between the two?
2: Yeah, so um, this, kind of, this kind of work in citizen science and looking at sensors led me to looking at things like early warning systems because hmm. early warning systems are based on very sophisticated technology, but I think there's also a lot to be taken away from local knowledge and people just paying attention. Um, and so looking at this kind of thing led me to look at you know disaster preparedness, disaster management, and how local knowledge can be incorporated into all that planning. So that, that's the connection there for mm-hmm. me. It mm-hmm. sounds
1: a lot like that uh, the Pacific Island King Tides project, which is also citizen science and right. tracking the effects of uh, high tides or, you know, um, yeah, ra- had, water folks, Yeah, because
0: we had the folks come on and talk about Liquid. Liquid was the, the name of the app. And mm. then uh, we would take pictures and during the King Tides see what the difference between, you know, normal tides and King Tides are. Right. So this, this is sort of a similar type of, you know, crowdsourced citizen science Absolutely. platform.
2: Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I think this is also about the conversation, right? So you might not be getting uh, to see a lot of posts that are from your neighbors, but you get to see what's going on around the world. Like there's so much going on in New Orleans right now. And just to see like in Tucson, people are posting about monsoons mm-hmm. and droughts and heat waves in New York and, you know, urban farming in other cities. And so just paying attention to how changes in one place might mean changes in others mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, how everything is connected. I think contributing to that conversation makes that much more present for you.
1: Absolutely. So once again, if somebody wanted to participate in this citizen science project here in Hawaii across the island chain, what should they do?
2: The website is www.icchange.org. That's I-S-E-E-C-H-A-N-G dot, dot O-R-G. Yeah,
0: we'll definitely Fantastic. put that up on our show notes later on tonight. And Lily, we want to thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Roel uh, Ruiz and Shane Matsuda, Chelsea Harder, and we'll talk about the upcoming Code Challenge and the developing. How do they go about developing a pitch? This is Bite Marks Cafe.
1: Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors... Locations, Nohea Gallery and Straub Medical Center.
3: I feel like this is
2: something important in my life so I need to make it a priority in my budget and so the things that come out like my main bills all come out automatically out of my checking account and that's just one of them. I don't really donate to many things but this is important because I'm listening to it all the time. My name is Elaine Gima, and I'm from Kahului, and I'm proud to be a sustaining member of HBR.
0: Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now, joining us is Roel Ruiz and uh, Shane Matsuda and Chelsea Harder. Of course, Chelsea Harder is the Sustainability Dashboard Coordinator over at the Hawaii Green Growth and manages something called the Aloha Plus Challenge Dashboard.
1: Roel Ruiz, meanwhile, is the Elections Support Services Section Head, and Shane Matsuda is the Election Specialist who recruits and trains polling place volunteers, very important people, for the Office of Elections. And, of
0: course, uh, we want to find out how can citizens help government and What goes into developing the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge? Challenge pitches! And of course we want to welcome you all to Bike Marks Cafe.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> for having us. So actually let me start to the questions Go here. Ahead, because knock this, yourself out. this thing called the <laughs> Hawaii Annual Code Challenge, the hack. I know nothing about it. Well that's strange <laughs> because I do believe you are the coordinator of this innovative event. So, Bert, for those who might have missed last year's feature of this hack, H A C C what's the big idea?
0: Well, last year there were a bunch of Prizes that were awarded to teams that I think came up with some very innovative ideas. Uh, one of them was for the um, Department of Public uh, Public Safety, <clears throat> and they were looking for something that would help coordinate visitation to OCCC. That was one. Uh, there was another one for um, things like uh, looking at ways to manage some of the data that goes into like locally produced uh, uh, farm products, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so so there were some, and there was another one for for homelessness that was a, a good um, example of of a, a project that got a lot of attention.
1: So individual departments from across the state had the opportunity to pitch their problems or things that they could use help with to a broad cross-section of developers and designers and say, help us solve this problem. You you could build perhaps the next fancy Instagram filter, but why not help make your community better here in Hawaii? Well Hong Kong. you know
0: we've always felt that hackathons had this uh, this sort of cool appeal to people getting together and really innovating over the weekend. <clears throat> but one of the things that didn't happen after the hackathon was how do these projects potentially actually get implemented and actually help serve the greater good. Sure. So the idea behind the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge is how do we come up with ways that people can contribute to potentially serving the greater good? Now, I want to ask, uh, start with Roel. And, you know, Roel, this is the, kind of the first time that Office of Elections is getting involved with the Code Challenge. Uh, what was it that sort of got you interested in, in perhaps uh, pitching a challenge from
5: your department? Well, we heard about the challenge from the Office of uh, Enterprise Technology Services, and um, in reading uh, a little bit about the challenge, um, we we read that the goal of the challenge is to improve the way that uh, the public interacts with government. Mm-hmm. And so, as an office that deals directly with the public by providing election services, we thought that you know this was an excellent opportunity to have creative people in the community. Perhaps listen to our idea, listen to our pitch, and come up with a way in which maybe we can um, improve the way that we administer our office. And I think ultimately, not only would that benefit the way that we run our office, but I think it benefits. The way the experience that the voting public is going to have. Well, and then I
1: think you know, certainly supporting the act act of democracy is, is probably an important thing that technology can help do. Uh, Shane, you work with training volunteer uh, at the polls. I know many polling volunteers. It's a very important job. So, what do you think uh, a app or something designed through the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge could do to help your job?
3: Um, that is correct. Uh, we. My section does a lot of recruiting and training for volunteers on Election Day. And this this app, if for this challenge, could give us a great opportunity to get in touch with people that um, we play phone tag with every day. And it will cut our time trying to chase these people down. Perhaps these people don't have uh, the time to contact because they're at work. And then, of course, it conflicts with their office hours. So we hope that this app will allow us to um, be able to connect those people that we always miss calls with and save our time so we could focus on other recruiting methods to fill our polling place.
5: It's a, basically to streamline the entire process. You know, um, with the way we do things now, like Shane mentioned, um, there's a lot of phone tag going on. And um, this could potentially discourage um, someone who was willing to volunteer from following through because, you know, if you're, if you've been trying to get a hold of us for a couple of days, then, you know, you eventually probably might forget about, you know, I, yeah, that's right. I was going to volunteer, but, you know, I don't have the time to call back and, and follow through that. And, you know, we, there, there might be some attrition that way, you know, by not getting the volunteers in. So we want to, uh, make sure that the process is not discouraging from the beginning. It should be an easy process. Well,
0: you know, I'll, I'll ask you a, a kind of a little tough question after I throw this over to Chelsea and find out, Chelsea. So, uh, Hawaii Green Growth, tell us a little about a little bit about that. I mean, it's not a a state department per se; it's a nonprofit, independent, but you are partnering up with the the state. And tell us a little bit about that relationship.
4: Absolutely. So, Hawaii Green Growth, we're a public private partnership, and we catalyze action across government civil society, and members of the public and private sector. And we serve as a backbone for the Aloha Plus Challenge, which is a set of six statewide integrated sustainability goals. So this is led by the governor, the four county mayors, Office of Hawaiian Affairs, the state legislature, and statewide partners. And it's a joint framework for sustainability, climate change, and resilience. So this is really a joint leadership commitment to sustainability. So the Aloha Plus Challenge, these six goals are clean energy, local food, natural resource management, solid waste reduction, smart, sustainable communities, and green workforce and education. So what we do is we capture and reflect the uh, kind of a snapshot of what's going on in Hawaii for sustainability and how we're tracking on progress for these 2030 goals. Uh, through our Aloha Plus Challenge dashboard. Right. And
1: by dashboard, you mean it's a, it's, a, it's about transparency. It's about making it easy for the public to see how the state or these programs are progressing toward these goals uh, at, at an up-to-the-minute basis.
4: Absolutely. So, yeah, we're an online open data platform. Um, so we track progress, provide accountability and transparency, and we really inform decision-making and policy and drive action around sustainability.
0: So if I'm not mistaken, the the Aloha Plus Challenge dashboard can also be found on dashboard.hawaii.gov, is that correct?
4: Yes, that's correct. Now,
0: am I also correct in assuming that the data that is feeding your dashboard is also available on the open data platform, right? The data.hawaii.gov.
4: Yes. So we work with our public-private partners to, to understand what are uh, what bubbles to the top for each of these different goals, and how do we want to show kind of a snapshot uh, for each of these goals on the dashboard. Mm-hmm. So it's really a very much an iterative, collaborative process <clears throat> to, to understand how we want to reflect that for the state.
1: And what is your pitch for the hack? What can the community help you do better?
4: Great. So we think it's a really great learning opportunity to continue to build upon the utilization of the Aloha Plus dashboard, and we really want to enhance engagement across sectors and within communities. So we want to explore capabilities um, for the dashboard to be more provide more effective, meaningful tools to inform decision-making, whether, whether that be data visualization and modeling or um, having more real-time data, and then... Um, Build in mechanisms to capture community d- data, data from schools, and to really help practitioners inform how they how they make decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Roel, you know I wanted to kind of throw this question your way in terms of what made you want to decide to go the route of a code challenge to sort of pitch a. Uh, a problem that you know you want to help get solved at the office of election, which would be balanced by perhaps potentially trying to fix it internally? I mean, why don't you just, you know, like have
5: Shane do it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think sometimes you can, you know, when, when you work in government or with anything, I think you can be too close to the problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, I think it would be more interesting and maybe a bit more innovative if we could have people from the outside and get their perspective on how they would um, want to solve this problem because, you know, in the end, um, we our volunteers are from the public, and so they might have a better understanding of, of how they want to um, manage their time as far as uh, signing up to volunteer. And perhaps they've had experience volunteering with other organizations or perhaps, you know, and they can bring that experience into um, sort of like problem solving on, on our side, you know, without, with um, streamlining our process as far as I'm um, recruiting our officials. That's great. And I, I, I do want to kind of uh, delve into a little bit more about
0: uh, your thoughts on perhaps what might result from the code challenge. We are currently talking to Royal Ruiz and Shane Matsuda, as well as Chelsea Harder, uh, but we will take a short break and, um, return and talk about some of these developing uh, pitches as well as, you know, what they are going to do with the Code Challenge. So this is Bite Marks Cafe.
1: Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Inter-Island Solar Supply, Kaiser Permanente, and Hastings & Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozan. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Roel Ruiz, Shane Matsuda, and Chelsea Harder about preparing for the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge.
0: Wow. Is that what we're talking about? Hack. Well, you know, so in terms of uh, you know, getting involved, I mean, you, you folks have to go up there and actually do these pitches. Yes. And in terms of the expectation is that, you know, you're the subject matter experts. You're the, uh, the resource for the public to perhaps come up with some ideas. So maybe I'll start with um, Chelsea. I mean, in terms of resources that you can provide to the public, what would it be that you can offer them to, you know, get their hands on and work on in terms of coming up with some great ideas?
4: That's a great question. So, being an online open data platform, um, we we have transparent data that's available for people to look at um, for for all across the different goals. And what my our vision is really to enhance cross sector collaboration because groups in Hawaii are doing amazing things with clean energy, with local food, with natural resource management, and education, waste reduction. And we really want to catalyze action. to help help people work together. So if there's a clean energy expert and they need to make a decision for clean energy, how do we provide that snapshot of maybe the water energy food nexus where they can see where their decision will affect other elements of sustainability across our state?
1: And I can see a lot of opportunities to cross any of those other sectors with education. You know, clean energy as it factors into curriculum development or getting student engagement involved. And we're starting to see that kind of cross-pollination out there in the community. I think that this is Having this data available will make that much easier.
4: Absolutely. So, our uh, green workforce and education goal. What we really want to do is involve youth in the solution. So, not just as adults working and saying this is what we're doing and handing it over to them when it comes around 2030 and saying here you go, but really saying what do you think and how how are you engaged in the solution?
1: Mm-hmm. So, Shane, on solving your problem and. In- Coordinating all of these volunteers, what will your potential teams be able to work with? Is are they starting from mailing lists, phone phone trees? Uh, do you envision that it would
3: be an app of some kind? Um, I, for our uh, for our input, we would think that the best thing to do is to do some sort of like applicate like an app for our phones or mobile devices, because it's a great opportunity for people for under in the convenience of their home to be able to volunteer or to recruit are to be able to sign up and rec- get recruited online, and it will give us the opportunity to just plug them into the correct schedule classes that we have for training.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and Royal, I mean, in terms of your ability to perhaps. Uh, do a little empathy. Uh, have the teams do a little empathy with you know with the Office of Elections. I mean, will you be able to kind of work? Th- I mean, show them the workflow that is currently in existence.
5: Oh, certainly. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be devoting a lot of our time and our, our energy to get to seeing this process through, mm-hmm. and so um, we're going to be available to sit down and talk with with the teams and explain. What the process is like right now, and and you know they can even shadow us maybe perhaps and see what we go through and then from there see um what are what what's what are where are the bottlenecks where are the um, problems you know where where can we make changes and how can that um, be translated into something that's technological you know in in nature um, whether it's an app like like we were thinking like a portal perhaps where you know you can do things like scheduling and 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 um uh, rescheduling uh, your your trainings, um, picking your work areas, um, that's what we sort of envision in, mm-hmm. in the long run. Mm-hmm. I can even see sort of a gamification piece, earning points for showing up for
1: class or signing up <laughs> for uh, signing up for shifts. But uh, you know, this is a pitch though; it's it's a reverse pitch. Mm-hmm. You're going up, then you're presenting a problem, looking for solutions. But it can be nerve wracking. Uh, Chelsea, do you have a thought as to how your strategy would be to enlist or bring people to your problem? We've had in the past people were giving out swag. They were doing song and dance numbers, really clever videos. I mean, there's some of the there's some many ways that you can use to kind of uh, attract people to solve your problem. Have you are you ready for that?
4: Sure. Well, I think I think the real draw to the dashboard is that um there there's data available, but not only data, but there's there's this opportunity to make it very interactive. So um, perhaps having a, a tool to feed in community data, if people have community gardens um, in, and um, they can post it on the dashboard, they can really see in real time how their efforts are feeding into sustainability. So so many times people say, how can I contribute and where will it be shown? This can be to develop mechanisms for them to really see how their actions are furthering sustainability in Hawaii. I think that's a really great draw.
1: Mm-hmm. And Shane, uh, song and dance number, what have you got planned for your pitch?
3: Um, for our pitch, we have um a video nice. about our situa- um about scenarios of what the current our current problems are with the office of election about um trying to recruit people with phone tagging issues it's
5: like a it 's like a a typical phone call um a- we're unfortunately, a, t- a typical phone call of what we face, you know, with, with some of the issues that we're facing when we're trying to recruit our volunteers.
1: Awkward, uncomfortable, but probably entertaining. Mm, yeah, and you know, it,
5: it, we've been kind of flexing our creative muscles. I mean, you know, we're we're a government agency that's sort of you know mostly kind of bureaucratic in the way that we do things, and mm. so this is uh, this challenge is actually kind of opening up the creative juices here a bit no, in the nice. office. And that's and great. the office, you know, the staff, like Shane and I are here, but actually there's a lot of people back. At the office who's you know we're working together to kind of get this pitch and you know through so that we can hopefully take it all the way to the end no you and know the, there's
0: only a couple minutes left but i wanted to get your quick uh, sort of idea of you know the code challenge really gets us to a one month very early stage proof of concept uh what would your ideal let's say uh perspective be on what might happen after the code challenge i mean how w- in the best case scenario what would you like to see happen
5: well, we'd like to see something developed um, and something that we can implement in time for... Um, 2018? Rec- yeah, 2018. Mm. I mean, our recruiting starts in earnest in March of an right. election year. And as you know, 2018 is an election year. Mm. And our trainings start in June. And so we want something, you know, in place by that time. Oh, Fantastic. good message and, for e- yeah. e- uh, ETS.
4: Great, and uh, my vision would be to have um, data visualization and modeling, so having people be able to play with what is available, look at maps and see how. what if I change this thing, how does that affect the rest of the state, Um, and then having students and practitioners develop innovative solutions around that.
1: Okay, great. So, Bert, where and when is this code challenge pitch happening, and where can someone find more information?
0: You know, Brian, that is a very good question, (laughs) (laughs) and I just happen to have that URL off the top of my head, and it is at HAC. And guess what? I'm going to put it up on the show notes later on tonight. (laughs)
1: Whitemarkscafe.org.
0: So, anyway, um, you know, it's really great to have you all come on to the show. Roel Ruiz. Shane Matsuda are both from the Office of Elections and of course Chelsea
1: Harder is with Hawaii Green Growth we want to thank you all for joining us today
4: thanks for having us thank you very
1: much and thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe join us next week we're going to talk about the intersection of culture tech and game development
0: and of course if you missed any part of this edition you can find the podcast of tonight's show on BiteMarksCafe.org and if you have any comments or suggestions feel free to email us at feedback at BiteMarks.org you can also find us
1: on Twitter I'm at BiteMarks.org. And you can find me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong. And our executive producer is Beth Ann Kozlovich.
0: And of course, we want you to stay safe. And we will see you back here next week for another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.